Probably a word that you may not like to hear. Nevertheless, it's a word that we all need to hear. Amen? So, let me begin by sharing a story with you about a couple who were on their way to the airport. As they got to the airport to catch their flight, they uh, reached their gate. And when they got to their gate, uh, there was an agent that told them they couldn't board. And so they had to wait. So the couple made their way to a spot in the waiting area and took a seat. They were put aside and didn't know why. As they were waiting, people were boarding the plane. And as even more people were boarding the plane, and time passed, the, the couple started getting frustrated because they were told to wait and didn't know why. So they continued to wait, and more people were boarding, and they, were, they got even angrier because everyone was boarding but them. And they began to understand, they, they didn't understand why they were being treated this way. They, they felt that the airline was mistreating them because no one would come up to them and explain to them what was going on. So they were upset because they were told to wait with no explanation and with no time frame. So everyone at this time boarded the plane which means that they were going to be the last ones to board the plane, even though they were one of the first passengers to be there early. So you can imagine what was going through their minds. They were thinking, what's going on? Why are we being treated this way? How come no one's come up to us to explain things to us? Why is anyone talking to us and communicating to us? And on and on and on they went, we were here early, but nothing. So finally, everybody was on board, and their names were called, and they were told to come on board. So they got into the, into the plane. They were making their way to the jetway, and, and they was walking down towards the jetway. They looked at their, pass, uh, their boarding pass to, you know, to find their seating assignment. Unbeknownst to them, they were upgraded to first class. All of a sudden, sorrow became joy. Anger became happiness. Frustration became contentment and satisfaction because they were bumped up from coach to first class. Amen. Amen. That was something to be joyful about. Amen. But here's the thing. They realized, and this is very important, they realized that sometimes waiting just isn't all that bad. Good things do come to those who wait. Amen. Okay. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for all that you've done, all that you continue to do. And Lord, we ask you to speak into our hearts. Bring this word, Father God, into our spirit, man, and make it come alive. Let your words, Father God, come with revelation, knowledge, and understanding. Let your word, Father, come with encouragement. Let your word, Father, come with power. And Father, we thank you as you open up our ears. And Lord God, that you open up our hearts and begin to speak by your spirit, Lord God. Things that we need to hear. Things that's going to help us. And Lord, we give you all the glory and all the praise as we welcome you here tonight to minister your word to your people. And Lord, for this we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All throughout the Bible... As you study, you'll find that there are all kinds of different callings. There's a call to salvation. 
There's a call to a life of prayer. There's a calling to live a life of faith. There's also a call to preach the gospel. There's a call to live a holy life. There's also a call to the fivefold ministry gifts, just to name a few. But there's one calling in the Bible that are just as important as all these other callings that I've mentioned to you. But it's not as popular as we would like. And that call is a call to wait on the Lord. Now, I told you it's not going to be a very comfortable message. It's not a kind of message that everyone wants to hear. But nevertheless, it's a very important message. When we talk about waiting, you know, it's interesting. I just come back off vacation and I was able to get a chance to fish. Fishing is my passion. I love fishing. And every once in a while, I try to get a chance to get out there and fish. Now, when I was a kid growing up, my dad would bring my brother and I to, you know, go fishing. And uh, we'll throw on our lines and we'll sit there and wait. And after 10 minutes, I'm reeling back my line and I'm pulling it aside. I'm finally doing something else. Because I was a kid who did not like to wait. I expected to drop my line in and catch fish the moment I get there. Meantime, my dad and my brother were still out there with their, with their fishing pole and reeling it in and casting it back out and then, and then catching it. And I'm getting excited. Oh, they're catching fish. I grab my pole. I go back out there, reel it in. Ten minutes later, nothing. Yeah, forget this. And I decided. See, the problem here is this. No one likes to wait. And the reason why no one likes to wait is because it's not in our DNA to wait. You know, it's not part of our nature to want to wait for anything. And unfortunately, this is something that we do in life. Tonight and next Wednesday night, I have the privilege of talking to you about this subject called waiting on the Lord. We're going to look at what it means to wait on God. And when we learn to wait on the Lord, we'll learn how to wait on the Lord. And as we learn how to wait, we're also going to learn what God is doing while we're waiting. You ever wonder what God is doing while we're waiting on Him? We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about how good things do come to those who wait. There are benefits to waiting. And we're going to learn that waiting is not just a calling, but a requirement. It's not only a requirement, but it's often necessary. Are you hearing me? Yes, sir. So... And, and listen, when you talk about waiting, waiting is a part of everyday life. We do it all the time. We wait in traffic. We wait in the doctor's office. We, we wait in the grocery line. Some of us are waiting for retirement checks. <coughs> Some of you are probably waiting for this message to be over so you can go home. <laughs> Nevertheless, waiting is something that we have to do in life whether we like it or not. We live... And then I want it now, can't wait to get it, got to have it now, culture. Even in our modern day convenience and technology, we still have to wait. It's just something you can't get around. And how many, let me just, let's be honest, so I just get an idea. But how many of you love to wait? Just as I thought. You're the right crowd for this message then, because I'm one of them as well. But maybe some of you have been waiting for situations in your job that has become so totally um, messed up that you've been praying, waiting, and hoping that conditions would change. Maybe you're out of a job. 
and you put in applications and resumes all over the place, and you're waiting for someone to call you with a job offer. Maybe if you're single here tonight, you've been waiting for Mr. Wright and Mrs. Wright to come along, and you've been waiting a long time. Maybe you're just someone who's waiting for your spouse or your child or a friend or a family member to come to the Lord or to come back to church. But whatever it is you're waiting for, you're waiting for something. Every one of us is waiting for something to happen. And tonight, we're going to find out how important waiting is, especially when it comes to waiting on the Lord. So life is full of waiting. And if truth be told, waiting on the Lord is the worst kind of waiting. Because when you're waiting on the Lord, it's like being in a spiritual waiting room where time stands still and, and, and everything's put on hold. Are you, here, are you with me? Many of us have been waiting on God for such a long time that you begin to develop a question in your mind about who God is. Many of us have been waiting such a long time that we develop an attitude. And we become angry and, and, and throw some temper tantrums and, and go into our pity parties. Some of us have been waiting so long that we got tired of waiting and decided we're going to take matters into our own hands. Only to find ourselves in a worse mess than we were in the beginning. But understand this. God does not respond well to our pity parties. He doesn't respond well to our temper tantrums. Or our attitudes. But the Bible tells us over and over again that we are to wait on the Lord. But I've discovered this about God. I've discovered that God has been around a long time. A lot longer than you and I. I've also discovered that God knows what he's doing. And he doesn't need your help. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him God knows what he's doing. Turn to your other neighbor and say, God don't need your help. But waiting, as you will see, is not a requirement, but often necessary. So let's look into what it means to wait on the Lord. The dictionary, the American dictionary, defines waiting like this. It is the action of staying where one is. Or... Delaying action until a particular time or until something else happens. It also means to pause for a moment. Okay? That's what the American Dictionary defines waiting. But the biblical definition for waiting is simply this. It means to be in a position of hope and expectation. In other words, being hopeful and having an expectation that God is going to do something. I like one preacher's definition of, uh, of waiting. He says, waiting is not going outside of God to resolve your issues. And that's where so many of us fall into problems. Because rather than waiting on God, we tend to take matters into our own hands and try to resolve the issues ourselves. But when we do that, when we go outside of God, we're simply delaying what God is trying to do in our situation. So... Waiting on the Lord is that hopeful expectation that God is going to do something. So go, to with, go with me to Psalms 27 and let's look and see some more what it means to wait on the Lord. Psalm 27 
and verse 13. To wait in a biblical standpoint, always to be looking and expecting God to do something. Keep that in mind. When you read this chapter, you'll find that when between verses 7 through 10, David was praying and seeking God because David was in a very difficult situation. He was in a life and death situation. And as you read his prayer, it seemed as though God had not come through for him at a time that, God had, that David wanted him. Okay, he was praying earnestly with some, some anxiety for help because he was asking God, Lord, do not forsake me. How many of you have ever had that prayer? When you're praying to God, you find yourself in a situation and you say, Lord, help me, and, and nothing's happening. The same thing was happening with David. He was experiencing the same thing. But as you get closer to the end of the chapter, you see that his confidence was rising and he was rejoicing in the prospect of waiting for the Lord. Because he says in verse 13 in the Amplified, What would have become of me had I not believed that I would see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living? David was so confident in his life and death situation that he actually saw and believed that God would get him through that situation. Even though God didn't come through for him at the moment, yet somehow he had that confidence in knowing that God was going to come through. He believed that he was going to live through this experience and see the goodness of the Lord. Sometimes we find ourselves in a situation and we think, this is it. We can't even see beyond our mess. We can't see beyond our problems. All we can see is the problem around us And we think, this is it, and there's no way out. But yet, David had confidence because he knew that simply waiting on the Lord, that God will come through for him. At some point, God will come through for him, and God did. So he believed and expected God to do something about his situation. He had strengthened himself to wait with confident expectation for the Lord to deliver him. When you're expecting something, to expect something is to regard something as likely to happen. Amen? You're anticipating that something is going to come to pass. How many of you are expecting a check? Okay, come on. I know some of you. Come on. We're all expecting a check. And this is, and this is how I know that you're expecting a check. Because you've already sat down and, this, and, and already figured out where that money's going. You say, this portion is going to tithes and offerings. This portion is going to that bill. That portion is going to this bill. This portion is going to groceries and so forth. So by the time you have that check in your hand, it's already spent. So that's how I know you're expecting a check. You don't think about not getting a check. You know you're getting a check. You don't think about it because you're expecting it. That's what it means to expect with hopefulness when it comes to waiting on the Lord. You're expecting God to do something. You're just not waiting around twiddling your thumbs. You know God is going to come through and do something for you. You're anticipating a response from God through the answers of your prayers. So when you wait expectantly, you're demonstrating to God that he is going to keep his promise to you. That he's going to keep his word. That's what you're demonstrating when you're waiting on the Lord faithfully. So he says, what would have become of me? Had I not believed that I would see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. That was, that was his hope. And I tell you, and, and David is probably a good example to follow. 
Because as I mentioned to you before, when I'm going through some challenges in my life, I love to read the book of Psalms. Because it reminds me that, you know, I'm not the only one in this world that are going or facing challenges. And I love the way David faces challenges because he starts out by saying, Oh Lord, I, I'm crying out to you, Lord. Do not forsake me, Lord. It sounded really gloomy because, he, because it seems as though God wasn't coming through. But as he continued reading through the chapters, you find that confidence rising in his writings. Because he believed that God was going to come through. And so that's, that's encouraging for me. So... What do we do when we're in a difficult situation? Well, David tells us in verse 14. Go to verse 14. He encourages his readers as well as to us what to do when you're facing a difficult ordeal. He says, wait and hope for and expect the Lord. He says, be brave and of good courage and let not your heart or let your heart be stout and enduring. In other words, don't give up. Hang in there. And then he re-emphasizes again, says, yes, wait for and hope for and expect the Lord. You want to know what to do when you're in a situation? Wait for, hope for, and expect. Amen? Amen? So we are to be in a position of hopefulness and expectation to be delivered from whatever the situation we find ourselves in. Understand this too, is that biblical waiting is not passive or idle. Okay. We'll talk about that a little later. But so many of us, when we're praying to God and waiting and not hearing anything, it's very easy to become discouraged because it's very easy to think, well, maybe God has not heard my prayers or maybe this prayer stuff don't work. And it's very easy to, because when you're in a situation like that, you're, you're hearing all kinds of voices. All the voices that you're hearing are not from God. And if it's discouraging, you, you know that's not of God. But it's very easy to feel discouraged when God has not come through in your timetable. Okay? Because God does not work within our time frame. He works in his own time frame. Amen? And so, while we're waiting, we are waiting with hopeful expectation. Too many times... We get tired of waiting, and when we get tired of waiting, we just stop reading our Bibles. We stop praying. We stop coming to church. We even stop serving God. Why? Because God is not working and moving on our behalf at the time that we want Him to. But again, we have till next week to, to, to learn that there's a reason why we wait. But tonight's more of an introductory. But... We don't want ourselves to come to a place where we falter in our faith, falter in our prayer life, falter in our church attendance, or falter in serving God because God hasn't come through for us. In our minds, that's what we're thinking, that God has given up on us. But don't ever think that at all. Go to Psalm 130 as we continue. Psalm 130 in verse 5. It says this, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I do hope. Again, the implication here is that David was waiting for something, but have not yet come through for him. But yet he says, I wait for the Lord. And the important question here to ask is this, who is David waiting for? Who? The Lord. 
Okay, very important question. He wasn't waiting for anything or anyone. He was waiting for God and God only. <clears throat> One of the things that, that we run into a problem is that we tend to wait for the wrong things. We tend to wait for the wrong persons. And we tend to wait for the wrong circumstances. Are, are you hearing me? We are more inclined to depend and wait on circumstances to change before we decide to change. We tend to rely on people or person before anything can happen. And that's the wrong thing to do because David says, I wait on the Lord. He says, my soul waits and my word, or, or he says, and his word, I do hope. Now, which leads me to this other question. Who or what are you waiting for? Think about that. Now, you may say God, but are you really waiting on God? Or are you waiting for someone? Or are you waiting for some circumstances or some other thing? Go with me to John chapter 5, and let me give you an example of waiting for the wrong thing. In, the, in John chapter 5, we read the story where Jesus comes to Jerusalem during a, Jew, during a, a well-known Jewish feast. And in Jerusalem, there was this pool called Bethesda. And we look in verse 3, where it says, In this pool there lay a great multitude of sick people, blind people, lame people, paralyzed people, doing what? Waiting for the moving of the water. In other words, they were waiting for certain circumstances to occur in order to receive their healing. So it was believed that an angel of the Lord would come down during a certain season and stir up the water. And the first person that jumps into the pool after the water stirred, they would receive their healing from whatever affliction they had. Okay? That was their belief. But there was one particular individual in this pool, and we'll look at right now, look down in verse 5, who was also there waiting for the stirring of the water. In verse 5 it says this, now, a certain man was there who had, been, had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, waiting for the stirring of the water, and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Richard, if Jesus was to come to you face to face and ask you, do you want to be made well, what would you say? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Chris, if the Lord Jesus would come to you personally, face to face, in your office, after he knocked, of course, in your office, and ask, would you want to be made whole? What would you say? Absolutely. Charito, what would you say if Jesus came up to you and say, would you like to be made well? I say, yes, of course. I would say yes. You would all would say yes. But what I want you to notice is how the sick man responded to that question. Verse 7 says this, the sick man answered him and said, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Now, that was not an answer to the question. As a matter of fact, Jesus didn't even ask all that. He wanted to know, do you want to be made well? And he says, well, no man is there to help me. So by the time the, the pool is stirred, this man that I'm hoping will come and help me 
to bring me into the pool. By the time I get to the pool, I missed it. Someone else comes in front of me and jumps into the water. In other words, his waiting was on the wrong person and on the wrong thing, which only ended in disappointment. Are you following me? When we wait for the wrong thing, it only leads to disappointment. But when we wait on the one person that can truly help us, you will never be disappointed. Never be disappointed. You see, this man was not waiting for the, was waiting, not only waiting for the water, but he was also waiting for some man. Some, how many of you have ever depended on people and they failed you? That happens too often. Now, there are some good people in this world. I understand that. And there are some good-intentioned people, well-intentioned people. But people are people. And we cannot rely on the circumstances. We cannot rely on people. We cannot rely on certain individuals. And we certainly can't rely on other things. We can only rely on God. So the question, again, I ask is, who are you waiting for? Are you waiting for the Lord? Or are you waiting for persons? Are you waiting for circumstances? Who are you depending on? Go to Psalm chapter 62. Look at what David said. If we're going to wait on anyone, let us wait on that one person who can actually, actually help your situation. Who knows what he's doing, who's been around the block, and certainly don't need your help. The Lord is worth waiting for. And David tells us this in Psalm 62 and verse 5, where he says, My soul wait silently for God alone, for my expectations is from Him. Notice who he's directing it to, God. Too many times we depend on each other rather than depending on God first. Are you hearing me? His waiting was not on anyone or anything, but on God and God alone. So when you're waiting on God only, you're waiting on a sure thing. Can you can I say an amen? Can you all say amen? amen? Psalm 39 verse 7 says this, And I know, Lord, what do I want or what do I wait for and expect? That was a question he asked. What do I wait for and expect? And he says, My hope and expectation are in you. Hallelujah. So David knew that there is hope in God. He knew that if he just waited a little longer, God will come through for him. That would be an encouragement to all of us. If you just wait just a little bit longer, God is going to come through for you. Amen? So we've got to get our focus on who it is that we're waiting on. On something, someone, or is it God only? Because listen, the ability to wait on the Lord stems from being... Uh, confident and focused on who God is and what God is doing. That means being confident in his person, being confident in his character, being confident in the fact that God loves us, being confident that God understands our situation, and more importantly, being confident in his timing. Very important, in his timing. So again, I ask this question, what are you waiting for? Go back to Psalm 130 and look at verse 6. Because waiting also means looking out for the Lord like a watchman 
in his watchtower. <clears throat> in Psalm 130, verse 6, it says, My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. Now, a watchman in, in ancient Jerusalem, there were watchtowers along the walls. Okay? And they had watchmen on duty 24-7. Okay? And they must work in shifts. And their sole purpose is to watch for enemy attack. Watch who's coming and going. When they can close the gates and when they should open the gates. And if there's an enemy coming, they're responsible for blowing the horn and warning the city. But they also wait for the first light. And the reason why they wait for the first light is because the moment they see dawn, they know their relief is coming to relieve them of their duties. You all know what I'm talking about. How many of you in your jobs look at your watch? How many times have you looked at your watch when you're working? You work, look at your watch to see when's the next break. You look at your watch to see when is lunchtime. You look at your watch to see when's your next break. Then you look at your watch to see when is quitting time. We all do it. We all look at our watch. We're constantly watching and waiting because the moment the clock says 4 or 4.30 or whatever your time schedule is, you know it's time to go. When we're waiting on the Lord, we are watching and looking for the Lord. We're not looking for anyone else but God. We're watching for Him, waiting for Him. Uh, I was going to say something. I'll, I'll hold that back. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll get myself in trouble here. <laughs> How many of you have ever ordered from Amazon? We've all have, right? We've all ordered or, or whatever catalog that you, that you like to order. But Amazon is a popular one. And Amazon's pretty good because when you order, they usually come in a couple of days. They're pretty fast. So, you know, you're at home. You know that you're getting a package because you've ordered it. And Amazon promised to deliver. So you're waiting. And every time you hear a car drive by, you run to the window to see if it's a UPS truck. Or you, you hear footsteps and you think it's the mailman. Or, or, or you step outside from, from, uh, from your front door and you look and you peer up and down the street, seeing if you can see the UPS truck from the horizon. How many of you do that? Because, yes, because you know you have a package waiting. You can't wait for it to come, but you know it's coming. And you're confident it's coming. Why? Because Amazon promised it to you. So... Why shouldn't we trust God's word instead of just Amazon's word? If God made a promise that he's going to deliver something to you, why not believe that more than the Amazon people? Amen? So waiting on the Lord is like watching out for the Lord. Lord, is that you? Lord, Lord, Lord are you coming? Lord, is that you? See, because your focus is on him and nothing else. Amen? Your focus is on Him. If you're going to be watching and waiting for anybody, let it be God. Okay? Don't wait for your spouse. going to make you wait forever. <laughs> Go to Psalm chapter 40. So waiting means watching out, looking for, and expecting for the Lord to come. In Psalm 40, verse 1, waiting also means being patient. 
<laughs> Listen to how verse 1 starts. I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined to me and heard my cry. Now when you're saying that, you heard, that you're waiting patiently for someone, that means that that someone is making you wait. Otherwise you wouldn't be waiting patiently. David says, I waited for the Lord patiently. And he says, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. In this psalm, David testifies joyfully about his deliverance and encourages readers uh, in the Lord. Because God had done some tremendous work in his life. He experienced God's deliverance at a very important stage of his life. In a very dangerous and critical time of his life. And so he rejoiced. But he waited patiently before the Lord came through for him. See, that's the thing I need you to get. He, God did come through for him. And he was rejoicing. But it was after a period of prayerful, patient waiting. See, and again, that's just, that's sort of like gnaws at your craw. You know, I mean, that's what Pastor Sam would say. Because it's not something we don't like to hear. But you know, there's a time for planting and there's a time for harvesting. But in between the time of planting and harvesting, there's a period of waiting. You, you, you can't expect a harvest the next day after you planted a seed. It just doesn't work that way. But there's always a period of waiting. And that's that period that we have such a hard time doing. Because we, we live in this time frame and we expect God to work in our timetable. And when God doesn't work in the timetable that we give him, then we get upset. Then we start to cry and complain. And God does not respond to pity parties. Did I say that to you before? I think it's worth saying again. <laughs> so David writes how God heard his cry. And here's the thing too. Is that when we don't get God working and moving when we want him to. We start wondering did God even hear our prayers? But look at what David said. He meaning God inclined to me. And heard my cry. You know what the word inclined means? It means to bend or to stretch. That means that when he hears your cry, he says, is that you, Richard? When he hears your cry, he says, is that you, Charito? When he hears your cry, he reaches down and says, is that you, Debbie? He, he hears our cry. He reaches, he inclines, he reaches, he stretches. Because he wants to hear what you have to say. And if he hears what he has to say, and if he hears your prayers, you know he's going to do something. You just got to wait. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me, and he heard my cry. And then he said in verse 2, he also brought me up out of a horrible pit, and out of a miry clay... And he set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. An indication of what David was going through. It said that he was in a pit. A pit is a dark place, a hole, a prison, a dungeon. A place that he could not get himself out of. It didn't say that he brought himself out of the hole. It didn't say he pulled himself out by his own strength. He was in a hole that he could not get out of. And the only one that can get him out was God. And so he was in that hole, in his mess, praying and waiting patiently before God came through. And God came through because he rejoiced, because God heard his prayer. Doesn't matter how deep your mess is, 
God will still hear your prayers. He'll still hear your cries. He's not forgotten you. And and, and what David, what God did, he's reached out to where David was, pulled him out of that mess. (laughs) And as he was waiting and praying, God came to deliver him. God showed himself faithful. God, I like what the pastor says. When we wait patiently, God will bring you up to set you up. He'll bring you out of that hole and set you up on established ground. Get you back rock steady. And that's why I love my God. I mean, he, he gets us out of our mess that we get ourselves in. But then he cleans us up, picks us up, straightens, straightens us up out and, and put us back where we need to be. Gets us back on track. Amen. Thank God for a loving God. Psalm 17 and verse 6 says, I have called upon you, O God, for you will hear me. Incline your ear to me and hear my speech. But the key phrase here is that David waited patiently. Okay. Remember that he was going through a very difficult time, but as he was praying, he was waiting. And as he waited, God delivered him. Go to Psalm 37. Waiting on the Lord is a deliberate decision that requires patience. And we all know, based on some of the Psalms that we've read, we've learned that David was no stranger when it comes to waiting on the Lord. He had some experience when it comes to waiting. He had been anointed king at the age of 14, but he waited 14 years later before, uh, 16, I mean, he, he waited 14 years later before he actually became king at the age of 30. Now you wonder, well, why did God wait so long? Well, perhaps maybe because David wasn't quite ready. We think we may be ready, but God understands whether we're ready or not. But he waited. And everything that David received from the Lord was due to the fact that he deliberately made a decision to wait patiently for God to do whatever God has to do in his life. In Psalm 37, verse 34, he says this, Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. The one big obstacle that David had was King Saul. He couldn't become king because there was already a king on the throne, and he was not a very good king. But he still had to wait 14 years. And in 14 years, he waited. And the Bible says that he shall exalt you to inherit the land. And that's exactly what David did. He inherited the land and became king because God exalted him simply because he waited. So <clears throat> he had to wait. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. In other, in other words, there's always a season of waiting. And again, this is where some of us have been praying to God and asking God for some direction. Maybe you're looking to change a, uh, a change of scenery, a change of situation. Maybe, maybe you're thinking about going into ministry. Whatever it is that God is calling you, put in your heart. The one thing that I want to encourage you is wait on God. Amen. Don't get into a, in a, don't get in a hurry and get ahead of God. 
because it'll only mess you up. It'll make you, put you in a far worse situation that you've been. You have to wait on God. And he, listen, listen if, if there's a calling, if there's a change that's required, if, if God wants to do something, he's going to do it. And, and you've got to let him do it. And I know that waiting is, is hard. I know sometimes, especially if you wake up in the morning with this in your heart, and you think about it, and, and you live and breathe it, and you're saying, Lord, when, oh, when? But let God take care of that. God knows when. Just let him take care of it. Okay? Let God do what he does best. Okay? Leave him alone. Get out of his way. Just let God do what, what he does best. Little words of encouragement. But understand this, that great men and women in the Bible waited on the Lord. Okay? You had Moses who waited 40 years before he was ready to be a deliverer. You had Joseph who waited 12 years before he was released from prison. You had uh, uh, Abraham who waited 20 years before he received the promised child. And even Jesus had to wait 30 years before he started out in ministry. So if you think that God is making you wait, you're in good company. Go to Acts chapter 1. Prayer involves waiting as I get ready to close here. And wrapping things up. Prayer involves waiting. How many of you believe that prayer and waiting go hand in hand? I mean, I wish we can just pray and then bam, boop, just you know, snap your finger, things happen, but it doesn't work that way. In Acts chapter 1, after Jesus had been raised from the dead, and just before he was ascended to heaven, he gathered his disciples together. And in verse 4 it says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to do what? Wait, Wait for the promise of the Father, Amen. which he has said that you have heard from me. Now, the word wait in the Greek means to stay around. In other words, to stay in one place. Now, not just staying in one place physically, but staying in one place spiritually. When you're waiting, you can be waiting in one place. You can be sitting here in this church right now in one place, but your mind is somewhere else. Your mind is in another place. Your heart is in another place. But when you're waiting on the Lord, you're just not waiting in one place, but you're also waiting in a place of faith, in, in a place of prayer, in a place of expectation, in a place of hopefulness. The moment you leave that place, then you've lost all hope. You've come into a, a place of hopelessness, a place of doubt. But when you're waiting, you want to stay in one place, in your faith spiritually, but also physically. And so they were commanded to wait and to stay in one place for the fulfillment of God's promise. Now look at chapter 2. In verse 1 says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. Where? In one place. In one place. Doing what? Praying. Waiting and praying. <clears throat> in Acts 1.14 says that these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Biblical waiting is not passive waiting. It's not idle waiting. You're doing something as you're waiting. These disciples were continuing to pray and to wait. They did not quit. They did not give up. Know this. They received the promise, just like you ordered a package from Amazon. 
just like you know you're expecting a check at the end of the week, you know that something is coming. Now, you don't know when and you don't know how, but you know it's coming. But you continue to pray and continue to wait. Now, look at verse 2. And suddenly, now the word suddenly in the Greek means to be unawares or unexpectedly. We expect God to answer our prayers at 3 o'clock on Saturday, July 14th. Bam, bam, this, that's how we are. This is what we want. But God does not work on our time frame. When he works, he works unexpectedly. And when he delivers, he delivers unawares. But in the meantime, when he comes through unexpectedly, what are we doing? We are continuing to wait and to pray. We are praying and we're waiting. And we wait with an expectation and hope that God is going to do something. We don't know when, we don't know how, but God will do something. These disciples believed that the, in the promise. They knew that that promise was coming. They just didn't know how and didn't know how or when that promise was coming. So as they continued, suddenly there came a sound from heaven and as a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And in verse 3 says, Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them. In verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The question is this, what happens if they did not wait in one place? They may have not received the promise. They would have missed out on the promise had they not waited in that one place. Some of us have missed out on God's blessing. Some of us have missed out on opportunities. Some of us have missed out on what God wants to do simply because we're not waiting long enough. Think about that, my friends. It's worth waiting on the Lord because he knows what he's doing. I'm not saying y'all dumbs or anything like that. I'm just saying that he knows far better than we he knows what he's doing. We just act like we think we know what we're doing. Well, I, I think that way. Anyway, not y'all. Y'all smarter than me. But the promise came to them unexpectedly. It became unawares. And I'm sure that you've all experienced it before. When you're praying and waiting on the Lord, and you know that something's coming down the pike, but you don't know when. And then all of a sudden, unexpectedly, bam, God comes through. You know, and when that happens, there's nothing more to encourage your faith when, than when God shows up unexpectedly answering your prayers that you've been waiting on. And I've experienced it, and it just makes me wonder, Lord, thank you, Lord. just makes me want to praise. It makes me want to thank him. Because God, you know, you think about it and you say, sometimes you think God has forgotten me. But when God comes through, unexpected and unawares say Lord you didn't forget me Lord you was faithful Lord you, you, you knew what you were doing and so I just encourage you to wait and if you've been waiting wait some more 
But wait with a better attitude. Wait with hopeful expectation that God is going to do something. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the encouraging word, Father God, that you are a faithful God. Thank you, Lord God, for just being there when we need you. Thank you, Father God, that even though we don't know when you move or how you move, but Lord, we know that you're going to move. And Lord, we just give you all the glory and praise for showing yourself faithful to us, showing yourself strong and mighty on our behalf. Lord, I thank you that you've touched everyone here tonight, spoken into their hearts. Lord, you've revealed yourself to them, Father, in a way that they've never been revealed before, Lord God. Lord, that they've come to know you like they've never known you before. Father, I thank you that you begin to reveal to them, Father God, that you're a God that is faithful, that you've not forgotten them, that you want to come through for them, Father God, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I just give you glory and honor and praise for who you are. Thank you for being faithful tonight. Thank you for speaking to our hearts, encouraging words, Lord God, that will strengthen our hearts, strengthen our minds, Lord God, and allow us to wait with hopeful expectation that you will come through for us. And Lord, for this, we honor you and thank you. In your precious son's name we pray. Amen. At this time, I ask that all eyes close.